Oh, yeah. Can yeah, yeah, I touch is, your belly? Listen, if you like to see a little belly poking out, okay, I can make your dreams come true. You're just processing a burrito. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church, where Pastor Matt Brown has got real answers to your tough questions. To tough your tough Christians. Christians. Real, say, real answers to your tough Christians. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's, <laughs> there you go. That works. Yes. There you go. Uh, we are super excited to be here with you. I'm your friendly pal, Justin Pardee. We got Stephanie Schaefer across What's the up, desk. Friends? And of course, Pastor Matt Brown. You feeling Christmassy? Yes, absolutely. You got your green jacket on today. A little bit yeah. of red lining there. Yeah. Yeah, we see it. I just picked this jacket up at Active Sportswear. What? Now you're going to go, you are getting ready to go to Australia with your family. That's super cool. It yes. was a birthday, not a birthday gift, an anniversary gift from. Yeah, 20 years. Thank you, Sandals Church. We're excited to I send you down there. You know, just an amazing church that would give us such a great gift like that. We're super excited. So we have that 16 hour flight tonight. Ooh. And you'll have some fun with, um, I guess, a, a summertime Christmas? Yeah. Seems it's like weird. you would enjoy that. Yeah, we did Christmas as a family, though, uh, Sunday night. Oh, yeah, it was really, really fun. I mean, I was a little nervous, but it was actually really, really great. The only thing that was lame is my son had to go to school the next day, but um, <laughs> but everything was was great, and um, it was so fun. And you know what's neat is your kids get older, they've gotten to be such good gift givers. That's cool. So, you know, when they're little, it's all about them, but they've, they've really, you know, and man, both my, especially my girls, my son's still getting there. My girls are just so thoughtful, and um, um they got me a, a jean jacket. I was really excited. Ooh. So um, I'm not wearing it because they got it for me in a medium. And apparently my arms have gotten a little too buff, which is a good problem to have. So yeah. I couldn't get my arms through it. Because <laughs> like everything now is made for like skinny dudes. Mm. Like skinny, depressed. I, I live at Starbucks dudes. And yeah, I, my, ar my arms don't fit in Starbucks clothing. You guys, if you hear all this R2-T2 <laughs> yeah, stuff happening in the background. Justin's fighting so with technology. Yeah, yeah we have our... Yeah, we were, we're doing a show over here. Well, we yeah. were going to go live in face on Facebook in 360 for the first time so people could just watch anywhere they want. Like on YouTube, they got to see what producer Kelly says when you're talking. Uh, you. We're going to be like, if you want to oh, just wait go... Oh, wait a minute, that's unedited. Edited version that gonna, makes me nervous. Well, we're gonna we're just gonna test it out. We don't edit. The what show. do we do when Stephanie flips out? Though? <laughs> like, don't worry, the battery died, so our, all of our grand <laughs> my grand attempts just failed. Mm. And you would think that when the battery died, it would stop beeping, but it keeps beeping. Like um, you, you would I'm think dead. you would think as a tech person that one of the things that you would check before you start filming is the battery. Yep, um, I did not. Thankfully, no. we have really talented video people on our team who. Catch all of our, what is, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out of the room in a second. Yeah, so. that's the, well, here's the deal. In addition to really talented technical people on the team, we've got some really technical, or really talented people on the <laughs> Yeah, actual, we have some people that are really gifted with the English language as well. We got yeah. some talented They're people here. on this podcast that, that have got us some sweet five-star reviews. In case you're wondering, yes, I am talking about the three of us. You guys, we have two beautiful five-star reviews. This first one says, wonderful, five stars. It came from Elizabeth Webb, zero, zero, one. Thank you for giving me the option of a spiritual pick-me-up throughout the week. Pastor Matt Brown is insanely informative, eh? Uses humor, which I greatly appreciate. That's her saying that. I love not, when somebody uses the word insane as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Insanely informative. That's a and it's straightforward in a way I've personally found to be rare in churches I've previously attended. Well, welcome to Sandals Church, and thank you for that five-star review, Elizabeth 
That's right. We've also got a review here from Danielle Coleman who says, love, love, love this. Five stars. I absolutely love this podcast. I can't wait for the next episode to come out every week. Sometimes I even go back and listen to previous episodes again while I'm waiting for the next one to come out. Mm. Thank you for the knowledge, wisdom, and entertaining conversation. It makes my daily commute so much more enjoyable. Mm. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Danielle. Well, I hope your your drive's going safe right now. Keep an eye on your your shoulder. On the side of the road. What, is she flying a plane? (laughs) I don't know. Did you guys hear that they're getting ready to do drone taxis in Dubai? That's coming on later this year. Where you can Mm -hmm. like, it's like you can use a little app. You can hail a taxi and it's a drone. And you get in. They're like eggs. They only have one seat. They go to pre-programmed destinations. But you could say, take me from here to the mall. Hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah. A little bit scary. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah, I don't think that the Middle East in that area needed any more incentive to be slightly more lazy. Mm. Right. Because at some point, right, the oil's done. So that's going to be it's going to be a rough that, that yeah. whatever generation Live that is. Can, though, right? Yeah, whatever generation that is, where that ends, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's, mm. our family hasn't worked for eight generations. So sorry, Middle Eastern people. <laughs> that's not true for most of the Middle East. But where did you say that was in Dubai? Dubai. That is yeah. for oh, yeah. them. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, if you don't know where Dubai is, it's called Beverly Hills. Man, when we flew to India, did you guys stop in the Dubai airport? No, we were in Abu Dhabi. Oh, man. Yeah. The Dubai airport was one of, it was like... It's got to be It had glorious. one of the biggest, beautiful waterfalls I've ever seen, just yeah. right there in the airport where you're walking yeah. down an elevator, and they had a Shake Shack. I was so excited to get yeah. a real burger. Yep, and everybody has paid for that with their cars, pumping mm. that gas. Mm. Hey, listen, seriously, thank you for those five-star reviews. It's like a Christmas present to the debrief. Uh, the iTunes store is basically like Google for podcasts, so it is super helpful when you guys leave reviews over there. It helps other people find the show, and we are How grateful How are we doing on uh, tracking podcasts compared to other Christian podcasts? Do you know? We are working our way up the ranks. Yes, so exactly. We haven't yet broken into the ones where we can see where we stand at iTunes because they're very secretive about that. But yeah, that's what we call an answer that doesn't actually answer I'll tell you, something. There's a lot of podcasts out there. We're not in the top... <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to make you sad for Christmas. We're not in the top 100 yet. Mm, I blame you too. We might not be in the top 200 yet. Yeah. Mm. But, but we we're getting be close. really close to the number of reviews that those ones have. That is so, so true. I am saying that we are halfway there. You guys look at. If you are just listening right now, you can't see that Pastor Matt's face is a little bit sad. Yeah. If you're on YouTube, you saw some of that sadness. But no matter where you're yes. here, we are struggling to make our boss happy for Christmas. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe uh, make somebody a beautiful Christmas present. Last minute gift idea is just help them subscribe to the debrief. That's right. The and leave a five giving. star review. Oh yeah, exactly. In the store. Yeah. Last minute, just um, print out a picture of the debrief. Mm-hmm. Put it in their stocking and then subscribe them up right after. Right on. There we go. Okay, let's jump into this. Before we get into some questions, some follow up, and some debriefing stuff, we got some stuff from the news to ask about. Whoa. That's right. So last week we saw that the Pope is proposing a change to the wording of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, what exactly like is that change? And is he changing what Jesus said? Because we've got the wording here, if you want. Right. So yeah. So, so go ahead. Yeah. So it says he's changing it from "Lead us not into temptation." but deliver us from evil to do not let us enter into temptation. So is he playing around with what Jesus said there? Right. Or? So here's here's the, the the problem for the Pope and, and the challenge with all Christians in terms of the theology of the Lord's Prayer is the Bible says that we do not, that the Lord does not tempt us. That comes from James, that temptation flows from the evil desires that are within us. And so how do we reconcile that with the Lord's Prayer? And I've always read it this way, lead us not into temptation, is that when I am uh, praying to our Father who is in heaven, and I'm hallowing his name, I'm making his name holy, and I'm saying thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What happens then is I'm under his leadership and I'm not led into temptation. But mm-hmm. when I deviate from him, then, you know, I, I just think Jesus is, look, God's not going to lead you into temptation. So the way that I am not led is by following his leadership. And so I just think it's one of those things that doesn't translate well from the Greek to the English. 
Uh, I think it's going to screw everybody up, especially if you're Catholic and you've been saying this for you know a millennia now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we don't recite the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis in Sandals Church, but for those who do, they've already made the change in France and it's screwing everybody up. You got a bunch of grandmas that are like, "What just happened?" <laughs> uh, and they can't Google to see the changes because they're 90. So um, it's just one of those things. But I think theologically, the Pope's on the right side. I just think leave it the way it is. Um, We need to wrestle with the tensions of what scripture says. And the best gift you can give to Christians is to give them the translation that is not what you want it to be. So, um, yeah, so that's my- I don't know if that's very tweetable, but it was Those are my words of advice to the Pope, not that- he probably even knows who I am since we're not on the top 100 list. Well, you know what we'll do is we'll, we'll print those out and we'll put them in a little mail and we'll, we'll yeah, send it we'll send right it on over there. Send it to the Vatican. Yeah, to the guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's do some follow-up really quickly. Uh, I love this. We've got more questions about answers to questions. This is a follow-up from basically what was our entire episode last week about God's love. Here we go. The past two weeks, you've said that God's love is conditional. I really struggled with that notion. I listened to the debrief to see where, if there was going to be clarification, and to some degree there was. However, I cannot agree with this belief. To me, God's love is infinitely beyond my conception. So I can't believe that this almighty, powerful being would withhold any amount of love from his creation. That said, I do believe that as a Christian, I have received the revelation of God's love through Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation and redemption. But that's not the only aspect of God's love. God draws sinners through his love. And the love that can draw a sinner to God is a very special, very powerful for love. So after all that, my question is, am I crazy? Am I wrong? Or did I just miss your point completely? Yeah, all three. Okay. Crazy wrong. Missed the point completely. So go back up to what the person said. I really struggle with the notion that God's love is conditional. Okay, stop there. So the problem is when we start with our notion of God's love. So then he, he or she goes on to say that, uh, that they believe that God's love mm-hmm. is beyond anything we can imagine. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Correct, correct, correct. So so the pro- part of the problem is is we're confusing the nature of God's love. So does God yearn for lost people to be saved? Does God desire for lost people to be saved? Yes. Why is that? Because God is love and love emanates from him. It, it emanates from the triune nature of God, the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's where love comes from. The question that we must answer is how does God love? The answer is clear throughout scripture. God's love is manifest in this. Manifest is a big word. God's love is experienced in this way that he sent his son. So the way that we experience God's love is from the, the loving act of God that he sent his son. That's, that's how God loves the world. That, that's how he loved the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ is the gift of God's love. To not receive that gift is to be separate from God's love. And so, you know, God loves uh, his creation. He made it. He desires for his creation to be saved. But to say that I am experiencing God's love. And so this, this is the problem with the English language. When we say God loves you, what it means is, is we don't have to do anything. And that's why I'm using the word, the nature of God's love is conditional. All love must be responded to. It must be responded to. Even parents, when they say, there's nothing that you could ever do to make me not love you. Well, there are parents who have probably said those words and experienced things that their children have done that have separated them from their love because it has become such a painful, awful, terrible relationship that love has been destroyed. And and that can happen. That's that's the power of sin. Sin separates. Um, It separates from the love of each other, from the love of self and from the love of God. And that's ultimately what happens. And- you know, for all eternity, if you're apart from Christ, you are separate from God's love, which Jesus says is agony. 
Mm-hmm. It's agony to be separate from the Creator's love. So to tell people that God loves you no matter what is not true in terms of eternity. God loves you in, in the general sense of, just like we're supposed to love all people, we're supposed to love one another. But to enter into relationship, which is where love is experienced, you know, that, that's the problem with, you know, the, our English language love. Oh, I love pizza. No, you don't, because pizza's not loving you back. It's not entering into a relationship. Matter of fact, it's giving you heartburn. That's so not say, love. It really doesn't love you back. Yeah, so you can't love an object. Um, you can desire an object. You can covet an object. You can, you know, be infatuated with an object, but you can't love an object because in order for love in the biblical sense to be understood, it must be reciprocated. It must come back. So true love, right, is too individuals experiencing that love. It's and that and the reason that it's important that we know this as Christians is is God is love because he there is love within the triune nature of God. Mm-hmm. He is a with God. So in the beginning the word already existed, the word was with God. So what is John saying is John is telling us that Jesus has always been with God the Father and the Son has always loved the Father and the Father has always loved the Son. So he's giving us a picture into the nature of God's love. And the nature of God's love, this is what's so important is that it's relational. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of God's love. And so to to say that uh, God loves people no matter what who are outside of relationship when the nature of the love of God is relational. And just so you know, read through the gospel of John, read first John, read second John, read third John, shoot, read Revelation. What does he say? You have lost your first love. So love for John is the guiding principle by which we engage with God. And, and not only that, but we then love each other because God's love is on us. It, it is, has relational ramifications. It makes us love God and love one another. And um, you see this throughout you know, John's gospel. His gospel is so different from what's called the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and, and uh, in the Greek, sin means same. So, so like the mm-hmm. like gospels, they're very, very much the same. John is completely different and very, very few stories interact because he's trying to teach us about the nature of God and how to experience that love. And that's why John 3.16 is so important for God to love the world. But nobody ever reads 18. If you reject the son, you've already been judged. You're already separate from God's love. And so that's why, again, we don't share the faith. We don't share the gospel. We, we, we don't beg people to be reconciled to God. And even in the Romans 8 passage that we talked about, can anything separate us from the love of God? Romans 8.37 begins with this question. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Which Paul uses interchangeably with the love of God. Why? Because Christ is God, mm-hmm. but he's not the Father. So there, that, that's what's confusing is Jesus, is Jesus is God, the Father's God, the Holy Spirit's God, but they're each individual persons within the nature of the Godhead. And we haven't mm-hmm. talked a lot about this on the show, but the word Godhead is kind of this description of the divine mind of God or the divine persons of God. Um, I think Rick Warren uh, defined the Trinity as the personalities of God. And I, I like that, but what I don't like about that is that makes us think like of a schizophrenic person. Yeah. So there, there's persons within God that are distinct. They are distinct w- within who he is and how he relates to himself. And that's why he's loved. So let's go back through him real, real slow. I want to make sure that, because he said that, <clears throat> I, I didn't provide clarity, so I want to make sure we hit every point. To me, God's love is infinitely beyond conception, so okay, I can't believe stop. this so is almighty. So he's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can't believe that this almighty, powerful being would withhold any amount of love from his creation. Right, and he hasn't. Mm-hmm. So how, how has he given his love? Through Jesus. 
So his problem with is not understanding. So, so part of the theology is before we talk about God's love, we have to talk about sin. And that's why you can't ever talk about one doctrine and not talk about how it affects another doctrine. So if you don't know what the word doctrine is, this is just the idea of understanding what we believe the Bible says about God. So we're all theologians. People say, I'm not, everyone's a theologian because if you have an idea about God, you're a theologian. You're saying, this is what I believe to be true about God. And so we have to go to scripture because all of our beliefs are wrong about God. That's why God revealed himself in scripture. And so he's saying, I can't believe that an all, what does he say? All loving, all powerful God will withhold his love. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he sent his son. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he didn't withhold his love. He sent his son. But if you reject his son, you have rejected his love. You have rejected his love offering. And oh, by the way, as a jealous God, and that's who he is, there's wrath, there's anger, there is judgment because you have sinned against God. You've rebelled against God. God's giving you another opportunity to be in relationship with him forever. So he sends Jesus and you kill him. God's a little offended by that Mm -hmm. because it was real pain on the cross. It wasn't artificial. It wasn't manufactured. It was real pain. There was real separation that occurred between the father and the son on the cross. It hurt the very nature and heart of God, right? How do do you wound God? It's called the cross. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what it is. The cross hurt the nature of God because Jesus was forsaken in that moment. And we don't understand everything about that, but we know this. It, it literally broke the heart of God. Mm-hmm. So what's his next? Here we go. So the last piece is, as a Christian, I've received God's love through Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation and redemption, but that's not the only aspect of God's love. God draws sinners through his love and the love that can draw a sinner to God is very special and very powerful. Amen. Absolutely. But to reject the drawing nature of God's love through Jesus is to reject God's love. And so well, all, all I'm trying to say here is, is love, real love, God's love is relational. So if you are not in relationship with God, you are not experiencing God's love. And so it's, it's important that we not say that God loves everyone because in order to experience that love, we must be in relationship with him based upon the definition of love that God gives us in the Bible. And so, um, and we lie to ourselves as Christians. Like we try to convince ourselves all the time that we love people that we're not in relationship with. And the truth is you can't. Mm-hmm. You you can wish them well, like um, you know the train accident that happened yesterday. Yeah, I it doesn't affect me in a way that it's going to affect someone who lost a loved one. Right. Mm-hmm. That that event is forever going to be different for them because they lost a loved one. For mm-hmm. me, it's a horrible historical event. It's a tragedy and should be investigated. And I don't want that to happen because I wish all people well, and I want people to be home for Christmas and be able to do those things because. I am a, hopefully a loving person. Mm -hmm. God is a loving person and he wishes people well. He wants the best for them and he cares for them and he's trying to draw them and give them a second chance. But when we reject Jesus, we are rejecting the love of God and we are inviting the judgment of God that we are already under because we are his creation. And so part of our challenge in modern Christianity is we've made ourselves equals with God. Mm. We, We have no fear of God. We have no wonder of God. We just like, God's my buddy, God's this, God's that. And, and the reality is, I mean, go back to the Peter passage that I read this week about Jesus Christ is both our God and Savior. Just walk through that passage. I, the, uh, Peter, a slave mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Now the word slave is offensive in our, our language. And, and for Peter, it's honorable mm-hmm. because he understands a right relationship between him and God. 
I am the slave, God is the master. What makes God amazing is as the master, he loves the slave. And not only that, but sent his son to die so that I could be a son. Mm. It's crazy, it's absolutely crazy. And so, so much of, and I think it's a question we're gonna get to later on in the podcast is our, our modern American culture robs us of the power of God's love. And so um, this guy that writes in, um, what he's missing because he thinks God loves everybody is the unique nature of God's love for him. And that's what must prompt us to worship. And that's what, what must prompt us to serve is I as a born again believer have received a very, very unique love from God that the rest of the world does not have. It's different. And so what I'm saying is in a, in a very simple way is God loves the world differently than he loves his sons and daughters in the same way that parents love their children differently from the other kids at school. They wish them all well. They want them to, to be educated and taken care of. But when you go to the production, you're taking pictures of your kid. Mm -hmm. You're focused on your kid. And that's not sin. That's the nature of love. And it's the uniqueness of your relationship with your child or your grandchild. And that is the nature of God's unique love for us. He is focused and fixated on us because we are perfect and without fault in his eyes because of Jesus. And so again, the nature of God's love reveals just the, the power of Christianity. And so um, I, I just would encourage you, continue to wrestle with that. Read that book I re recommended, um, The Surprising Difficulty of the Doctrine of God's Love. That, that's a tough book. It's actually a really, really quick read. Um, so, I mean, I think I reread it last week in, in an hour or two. It's, it's pretty quick read. I'm, I'm a quick reader, but um, I think you can read it in a day or two. A lot of good stuff there. Not going to lie. In my head, I'm drawing all kinds of parallels to The Last Jedi, but I'm not going there because of spoilers. Thank and you. because you made fun of people who love Jedi more than Jesus this weekend. He was not talking me. to you. It's not me. Nope. Love Jesus quite a bit. And I well, just again, I just latch onto these narratives. The force is impersonal. <laughs> yes. It's impersonal. Right? So, and, and what does the force do? The force seems to love and care for all cre creation equally, whether you're evil or good. That's not who God is. Mm. God loves his children. It's very different. It's very, very different. And so, you know, I mean, what is the Jedi stuff? It's a religion. Mm -hmm. It is. So. All right. So we're going to get into some questions from this last weekend sermon on who is Jesus in a minute. But last weekend, your sermon was primarily focused on loneliness, which is actually where all this talk, conversation about God's love came out. But we did have a few questions that came in last week on loneliness that we wanted to hit. So this first one is from Jennifer, who says, I'm a stay-at-home mom raising three young boys, and it could be a hard gig. I sometimes struggle to find joy in the midst of the messy, lonely, and long days of motherhoods. I feel like I exist in a middle ground where I'm not really happy, but I'm not depressed. What does godly joy look like in the midst of parenthood? How do I change my perspective and begin to recognize that God is revealing something beautiful in and through the mess and the loneliness? Yeah, first thing is get in relationship, join, cultivate, do whatever it takes. Have a have a powwow with your husband where you guys, whatever it takes financially. Uh, do they have to pay for childcare for cultivate? I, I think, think so. Yeah. It's, just, it's not much. You know, and if you can't do that. Compared to real world babysitting, yeah. cultivate is, yeah. is so cheap. You, it's safe real babysitting. You've yes. got to get out. You have got to get out. You're, 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 the reality is you are a prisoner many, many days and you're trapped um, in the chaos and the nuttiness. Like, like little kids are cute for about 10 minutes. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, because they're, they're all bipolar. Like, I mean, they're, they all are. They're, Right, I mean, one moment it's the greatest joy ever, and the next moment, you know, they're being tortured by invisible beings that you can't see. <laughs> it's literally insane, and 
you know, you live in that, everything's a mess. There's all this laundry. She has multiple kids. It's very, very difficult. You feel isolated and alone because you're having baby talk all day long. So what you need to do is get in relationship and be intentional and just tell your husband, Pastor Matt said this, that you're gonna be better to him when you are get to be with other adult women. It's going to help. And so you need time out. You guys need to make sure that you budget in um, some kind of babysitting so that you two can have some adult time together. And he, and here's the thing about a date. You don't have to go spend money. Spend money on the babysitting so you can just go be together. Go walk in the mall. Don't buy anything. Just be with each other and work on your relationship. You don't have to spend money to be together. You might have to spend money to get away, but you know, relish those opportunities. You know, have those opportunities. You'll be better parents for them. And so I would just say that just know that your joy right now is knowing that this will not always be this way. Mm-hmm. That's the joy. This this too shall pass. Uh, it's not going to last. But you know, when I, a couple of years ago with Dex Alexander, we were uh, somewhere, I think we we're in the Mall of America. Where's that? Minneapolis? Yeah, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, I got to get something for my kids in the Disney store. And we walked in the Disney store. And I start crying because mm-hmm. I hadn't been in the Disney store in 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, my my little girls who are now 21 and 19 don't want princess dresses for um, you know, Christmas anymore. And we're not singing, let it go. And some of you are like, let that song go, let it go. <laughs> but there's something very, very powerful about the, those times. And there's something wonderful and beautiful. I think the golden age of parenting really is about age six to 11. It's just a really, really sweet time where the kids are enjoyable. They get you, they respect you. They haven't gone crazy yet uh, because of puberty. Um, and it's a really, really special time. And I think God gives us a little breather, but zero to five is tough. And 13 to 18 is is tough. So because, and it's tough on the kids too. It's really, really difficult. So I'll be praying for you, but get in relationship and just know this, that your joy should be in this, you'll pass. Your joy should be in this, that you're doing a good work. You're investing in the future of humanity. And so, you know, you're raising your kids and not enough people are. Invest in them to be moral, spiritual people guided by what's right and not how they feel. That's the number one problem today is people are guided by how they feel. And that's why we're all suffering. Be guided by what's right, what's moral, what's good, what's true, and really, really press upon you know them that 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 teaching. And the best way to do that is for you to do that for yourself. You need to be guided by what's right and true, and not by how you feel. Because as a mom, sometimes you don't feel like being a mom, and uh, and that is very, very tough. And it's a real feeling, and you need to be able to talk about that with other women who've been through that and have experienced that. Um, and uh, you know, I was a stay-at-home dad when we started uh, Sandals Church. Tammy was our income provider, and man. I remember one time we went out, I went out with a bunch of guys to go see a movie and we were hanging out like at like In-N-Out Burger and I was like, I gotta go potty. And they were all looking at me. I'm like, <laughs> I just said that in front of all my friends because that's what you do when you're that's little. You, yeah. Did you go pee pee? Did you go potty? And you're like, uh, bro, we're all 30. What's your problem? Yeah, so. All right, I'll be praying for you. Love you. You're doing a good work. I'm guessing you. I'm guessing you listen to the debrief regularly, by the way, because you sent in this question. But if you don't get on it on the regular, every single I work from home two days a week, and on Wednesdays if I come into the house, Lindy is always she's just got her headphones on and she's ignoring everything and she's just listening to the debrief while she's working and it's, get that uh, non nagging input from small children. Yeah, just drown them out with uh, real answers to tough questions from the Bible for <laughs> just about an hour. Yeah. I told you I saw Lindy at a stoplight for like five minutes and I was waving at her. And she was on the phone. Yeah. She's probably listening to the debrief, but I was right next to her. queuing it up. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. So also in your seminar on loneliness, you mentioned that when I do, one of the things you said was when I do my own thing, I'm usually doing the wrong thing. So Sam wrote in and asked, I've been hearing that the more confident you are about your decisions, the less you need other people to approve of them. 
I struggle with insecurity and I'm a natural people pleaser at heart. So I always want everyone to approve of my choices, but it's miserable because I know that's impossible. What kind of attitude should I have about others' opinions about the decisions I make, especially people I should look up to like my parents or my in-laws? Right. No one statement is perfect for every situation. Mm. It isn't. You don't believe me? Let me quote Jesus. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What if you're a psychopath? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So even, even right, the golden rule that's perfect for every situation, if there's something wrong with your moral compass or your psychological state, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful because some people want people to do bad things to them. So uh, the apostle Paul says, no one hates his own body. I've met many people that do. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, and that doesn't mean that what the apostle Paul saying wasn't true. It was true, but no one saying is perfect for every situation. Um, so we have to be really, really careful. So ha- having said that, Usually, usually when you desire to be alone, you desire things that are not good. That's usually the point. If you are a people pleaser and you, and you haven't grown a spiritual backbone yet, you probably need to learn to stand up for yourself and make your own decisions. But even that, you're not going to learn to do on your own. You're gonna have to go to counseling and get with somebody else. You're gonna have to get spiritual mentorship, someone who actually loves you and can guide you and coach you and help you to stand up for yourself. Because as you're learning what's right, you don't know what's right. So you, you gotta have people that help you figure that out. And God's created us to be social beings. No one person figures it out all on their own. We need other people um, to help us figure out, you know, what, what's right. But, you know, there is a time as, as all Christians where we, we can't go with everybody else. We, we can't go with culture. We can't go with what group think. So we have to learn to go it alone and we have to figure that out. And so just so you know, it's gonna be a process. You have to take account everything I say. You have to take into account your position, where you are in life, your current health, your current situation, and then try to apply it the best you can. Because, and just know that all of us twist things in order, you know, the way that we want it. I would say this nine times out of 10, not always. Sometimes I say the wrong thing from stage. Nine times out of 10, people heard what they were afraid I might say, mm. or people heard what they wanted me to say. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say that. That's not what I said. And I have to go back and I have to listen to it and I have to make sure. And it's like, man, I have no idea how you got that <clears throat> out of what I said, but that sounds like some things that are going on inside of you that you need to deal with. So I would say, you know, come into soul care, get some leadership, have somebody come alongside you and have somebody help you figure out how you can ultimately get in the position where you make good decisions for yourself. Because at the end of the day, you stand before God alone. So you're, you're going to have to, at some point, learn how to navigate the point I was trying to make is, is a lot of people run from relationships. They run from community because they want to do their own thing. And if you were a person who always wants to do your own thing, you don't want to do God's thing. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Okay, so we st- we closed out the More Than a Manger series this last weekend with your sermon talking about just the nature of Jesus, who Jesus is. So Claudia wrote in and says, how is it possible that Jesus was with God when he created the earth? Right, so because he was God, mm-hmm. that's the answer. And so John 1, 1, you know, just really, really work through those first four verses. They're just so important. And I gave you guys a bunch of verses this week. Um, if, if, if you're not good at memory, just remember the ones passages. And so what do I mean by that? John 1, mm-hmm. Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, the ones passages. Those passages are the most definitive of who Jesus Christ is. So when you, when you do those three passages, you're getting John's take on how Jesus was God. You're getting Paul's take, who wrote half the Testament, on how Jesus was God. And then we don't know who wrote the author of Hebrew, who was the author of Hebrews, but it's written to Jews so that they can understand who 
Jesus is. And those are three chapters, each of them really focused on the nature of who God is. Now, obviously there's all kinds of other um, passages in scripture that allude to it, that point to it, like the one I preached on Hanukkah this week. That was really, really difficult. And a lot of people never thought about that. Oh my gosh, it's Hanukkah. And they're saying, who are you really? Well, Mm -hmm. because the, the point of Hanukkah was to prepare the way for the coming of Messiah. The temple is now rededicated and we're ready for the, the light of God to appear. So um, that, that's what I would say. So how, she's asking, how could he have created with him? It, that's the nature of God, the triune nature of God. We begin to realize who God is. And this goes all the way back to Genesis 1:26. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So even in the Hebrew Bible, Genesis chapter one, who is God? God is us, God is our. And what do you do with that when you have a religion that proclaims God is one? There is only one God. Again, the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter six, Jews say it every morning when they wake up. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with your heart. So that passage that Jesus quotes, it's hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The the word one in Hebrew is plural. (laughs) It's ones. It's a mind blowing. Yeah, so that's who God is. Um, we see, see that. And again, John says God is love. So in order for God to be love, he cannot be alone mm. because the nature of love is relational. That's the nature. That's the, that's the true nature of love. And so Paul gives us a picture of that in first Corinthians 13, where he says, love is kind, you know, all, all the love is passages. Yeah. Um, love, love forgives. It doesn't demand its own way, right? It rejoices when the truth, and then ultimately love never fails. Love is a relational category. And when in the context of relationship, it lasts. Um, But it it cannot be divorced from relationship. It has to be in the context of relationship in order for that to truly be experienced. And so, um, did I I cover it all? I think we're good. Yep. Yeah, your guys' eyes were rolling. I was like, okay, after No, no, it was good. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we also got a question that just asks simply, how do you truly know if you're saved? How do you go about putting your faith and trust in Jesus to receive God's love? Right. So there's two sides of this. You know, I think that there's always Christians who are overconfident and there are Christians who are underconfident. And um, so there are two sides to the nature of salvation. And so you have Calvinists and you have Arminius. Um, And so, um, you know, Calvinists believe that uh, salvation is God and God alone. So God does it. God saves you. God God basically chooses you and you can't resist God's choice. Yeah. Uh, The Arminian view is that God is still sovereign in that choice, but somehow you know, we are, are responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now there's modern day Calvinists that are, are shifting and moving and uh, and changing a little bit to address. And so here, here here's what I, I say is, you know, Sandals doesn't take a position either way. Here's what the Bible says. God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. He is choosing. So um, we see that in Jesus. I chose you. I'm holding on you. This week in John chapter 10, nothing could take you out of my hands. Nothing. If you were really my sheep, you'd hear my voice. And so I think we need to understand that Salvation begins and ends with God. However, here's where Sandals differs from Calvinist or however Calvinist churches is we believe that human beings are responsible. We are responsible to choose and we must choose Christ. So somehow in some way in salvation, God chooses and we choose and somehow they don't violate one another. Welcome to God. I don't understand (laughs) that process. And the Bible teaches both. So anyone who wants to just say that everybody has a choice apart from God, I think they're wrong. And anyone who says it's all God and you have no choice, I think they're wrong. I think both is taught in scripture and there's a tension there. And that's why there's been historic divisions and problems understanding the nature of that. So here's what I would say is, 
Simply by you asking this question, you're probably saved. I think saved people wrestle with it and lost people don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That That's just what I think. And so here's the question is, you really, really need to go to the cross, figure out what the cross did. And so many of us who call ourselves saved by grace really are still living out a works-based theology. We believe that there's something that we need to do. What we have to do is we have to understand that the nature of what Jesus Christ did on the cross was final and it was complete. And so he took care of everything with the exception of, I must choose to accept everything he did on the cross. So that's my part is God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for doing this. I believe that, so he said, what is repentance? And or yeah, no. how do you go about putting your faith and trust in Jesus? So repentance, right, it, it is to turn around. It's metaneo. It's the complete changing of how one thinks and feels. And so I still sin on a regular basis, but as soon as I do, it, it instantaneously grieves me. It instantaneously bothers me. Now, unfortunately, sometimes it takes a period of time for me to then confess my sins to God and to someone else, but there's instantaneously a desire because I'm born again. So God's spirit lives in me. And now I think like God and I want to act like God. I don't always do it, but I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. Um, You know, for example, uh, I've been married to Tammy for 22 years. There have been moments where I've had thoughts of being unfaithful, but the reality is I've been able to remain faithful because the way I think about marriage, I think about her, I think about God, all changed at the altar. Everything changed. Mm. My desires my desires still wrestle, but my heart changed. My attitude towards her changed. And so that's been the guiding principle. It's not that I'm a perfect husband right. or that I haven't had bad thoughts. It's that what I believe, and, and this is how you really know things. And, and this is what I really had to struggle with when I struggle with porn. If I really believe porn is evil, I would not participate in it. I would not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So part of the challenge is, is one of the reasons that you are viewing pornography is you don't feel like it's that that bad. The same reason you get drunk. You don't agree with God that to be drunk is wrong or or to be stoned is wrong. Mm -hmm. You're still running your own life. It's it's when you change the way you feel about things, that's repentance, metaneo, changing the complete changing of one how, how one thinks and feels. And so that's what happens. Your, your desires change, your want to change. I want to please God. I want, um, I, I want to make God happy because of what he's done for me. So I'm not trying to earn my salvation. What I'm trying to do is, uh, so the grace is not opposed to um, effort. It's opposed to earning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't earn our salvation, but we need to have effort. You know, like for example, I. I can't earn my wife's love, but I do need to put effort into it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do. And the same thing is true with God. And so, you know, here's what I would say is, is I would get on your knees and just say, God, I repent of my sins, you know? And I think a lot of us, unfortunately, we, we live in the Western world where everything's black and everything's white. And I think that repentance is a one-time and ongoing thing. And it's something we continually do. And so if we're led to repentance, right, um, that initial reaction of, of, of a person, a sinner repenting, Jesus says angels in heaven throw a party, but it's the continual nature of repentance. And so we see that in the gospel of John, actually the last chapter, John really ends in um, chapter 20, but then there's some cleanup on aisle six and that's <laughs> the life of Peter, right? Because Peter rejected him. Peter walked away. Peter abandoned Jesus in his most mm-hmm. desperate hour. Mm-hmm. And so now we, we got to restore that. And so Peter has to get right again with God. But I think Peter was always saved because John's, Jesus said in John 10, nothing's going to take you out of my hand. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I, I've got you. You are mine. And, um, and the one who did leave, Judas, is gone. But Peter's still there and Peter is restored. And so I think that 
when you're saved, you're gonna have a couple desires. Number one, you're gonna have a desire to please God. Number two, you're gonna have a desire to be with God's people. And so those are the two real red flags. Um, I, I don't have a desire to do what God wants me to do. And I don't have a desire to be with God's people. Whenever those two things show up, that's when I begin to question, are you really saved? Because, you know, um, it's just like, I love the Lakers. I love watching a Laker game with Laker fans. I just do. I just do. Um, I, if I love God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love worshiping with God, mm-hmm. with God's people, not as fans, but with the faithful. And so I'm gonna gather together. And so um, I, I just think you need, you need to confess to God and just confess to God, hey, God, I'm worried. Help me understand what you did for me on the cross. Help me to feel secure in my salvation. And, um, and I do believe in, in uh, security. I do. I, I, I just don't believe these people who... You know, think that you can lose lose your salvation in a moment. I think that that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think that we, I think that we need to be secure in our faith, but we should not be overconfident in our faith. And I see people go the other way. And you just have to understand, you know, Hebrews six and Hebrews chapter ten are in there for a reason. And we need to have a holy fear when it comes to our salvation. The Apostle Paul says, "Let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling." Mm-hmm. We got to work it out. Then he says, for it is God who works in us according to his will. So God's at work in me, but I got to work this thing out. And if my faith is real, it's going to affect the way I feel, the way I act and the way I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what it means to be a Christian. So I'll be praying for you, but I just want you to know that I'm, I'm glad you're wrestling with this. Yeah. A lot of people haven't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's scary. I'm more scared when someone has never wrestled with it. Cause then I'm like, I don't know if this is real. Mm-hmm. Like for example, um, you know, when, when I got engaged to Tammy, I really had to wrestle with that decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that kind of hurt her feelings a little bit, but it's why, that's how I knew I was committed, which is hilarious because after we got married, she began to wrestle with <laughs> <laughs> whether or not she wanted to be married. And I would have much preferred she wrestled before rather than after, because that would have made things a whole lot uh, more helpful. But I think you should wrestle with it. Uh, and that's what it means to be Israel, right? Jacob wrestled with God. You got to wrestle with these things and God's not afraid of the wrestling match. He's going to win. He invites you to, to that to that wrestling match. So I'll be praying for you and I'm just super glad. And so I don't know if I've made it abundantly clear, but here, here's the formula. If you've repented of your sins you've pl- and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's, that's the theological truth of that statement. What we all have to figure out is, have we done that? Mm-hmm. that that's, where the, that's where the difficult nature comes. Have I repented of my sins? And have I trusted in Jesus? Am I following him? Am I following him with my finances? Am I following him with my time? Am I following him in obedience? Because there's a lot of things in scripture that we don't we don't naturally agree with, right? But we're called to supernaturally follow them, and so uh, and one of the big things is Luke nine twenty three. Any man who would come after me, let him deny himself. So how are you doing that? What does self denial look like as you follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And if you can't find an area where you're saying no to yourself, that's a problem. Mm. That's that's a problem. And so we all need to learn to do that. And and all of us have this. All yeah. of us have this. And if you don't, I can tell you what your core sin is. It's called pride. <laughs> so there you go. Man. Okay. So Sherilyn writes in and says, I've been reading through the Old Testament and in Ezekiel chapter 24, I see the term son of man. Why does Jesus refer to himself as the son of man? And is that significant to who he is? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's Jesus' way of pointing to who he is without getting himself killed. Okay. So Ezekiel saw himself as a son of man. So basically as a prophet. And so Jesus is basically saying, look, I am a voice from God. And um, what he's trying to do is he's trying to woo his Jewish leadership 
to follow him, to listen. Yeah, son to him. of man always confused me as a kid mm-hmm. when I would read yeah. that in the Bible because I was like, I thought he was the son of God. Yeah, it's just it. It is a it's a title. It's a powerful title. And what he's saying is, I, I'm no ordinary rabbi. Hmm. You need to listen to what I'm saying. And so you just have to remember he has many names and many titles, but the son of man points to the unique one that God will bring um, because he is both son of God and he is the son of man. I mean, he's, he's our, this is this is Christian theology that's gonna make everybody confused. Here we go. He's not only our Lord and savior, he's also our brother. Okay. Right, I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's why we refer to one another as brother, sister in Christ. Like when I grew up in a church, <laughs> it was brother, hey brother. So now, nowadays they don't say that, but- I'll know, start calling you Brother Matthew. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. So Stephanie is my sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. So she's actually my sister. Um, when I was baptized, I think I've shared this story. When my dad baptized you, he said, I baptize you, my son, in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are buried with Christ and you are raised to walk a new life and you are my brother. My dad said that. Mm-hmm. So here my dad is probably in his mid thirties and I'm eight. Mm-hmm. And I remember those words. Oh, he's my brother. Mm-hmm. Because the nature of our relationship has changed. So- um, yeah, there's many, many titles because again, the Bible is not one book. It's not one book. Uh, it's a tragedy that we call it the book. We should call it scripture because okay. it contains literally 66 letters. Some of them are books, but most of them are letters um, talking about, so think about 66 books over 1500 years by 40 different authors. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. All talking about the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. And so son of man is one of those titles that indicates, hey, ding, 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 mm-hmm. this guy. So one of my favorite verses, uh, Mark ten forty five, for the son of man did not come to ser- be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. Boom. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, there, there you go. That was a powerful way to close it out. And we're closing things up for all of 2017 mm-hmm. now. That's oh, we right. are? Yeah, we're oh, going. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, I love we're you going all. on our, our, our Christmas break. We'll be off and we won't be back in your ears or eyes. Sorry. Till you can January. look back at pictures <laughs> yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah. Till the middle of January. So uh, yeah, it's Christmas time and we're excited about that. That's right. We'll be kicking off the new year with a new series from Pastor Matt. So we will mm. stockpile your questions from that first week and then get into them with Pastor Matt when we return. What's your guys' January? favorite Christmas song? Mm. Oh, well, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. My that, first answer was uh, All I Want from Christmas is You by Mariah Carey, but I know that one's not about Jesus, but it's just so fun. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, no, so if we're going secular, I like the... <laughs> I, what's the dude from Wham that just died? Oh, oh, are you thinking last, last year? Oh my God. Oh, I gave you my heart. How can so you much. hate that song? Because it's I just I gave you my heart and yeah, then you tore it the apart. The very next day you threw yeah. it away. No, I uh, think I dated her. Yes. <laughs> or for him, it was him. But yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. No, I, I just song. think it's the worst. <gasps> I don't know. Because the day after Christmas as a kid was like so depressing. Like, oh, Christmas is over. So I'm like, oh, it's, then it's sad things are happening the day after Christmas. No, mm. I've always hated it. You guys, it's I don't time. think we I think can be friends. friends. Yeah, we got we to gotta leave you guys. Bye. Okay. Oh, 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 no, no. Favorite, favorite uh, Christian Christmas song. Mine is Silent Night. Oh, mine's Oh, Holy Night. Isn't that the same? No? I like the one where it goes, Gloria. You just like to be able to. Yeah, I like to see if I could, how many how many of those in a row I can do on one single breath. Okay, do you know what that means in Latin, in Excelsi Deo? Nope. The excellent God. 
I receive. I receive it. Mm. I receive the knowledge, not the not the nomination or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you want to support the debrief, you can do that. Especially here at the end of the year, you can text give debrief to nine five one nine hundred forty one twenty. Give debrief to nine five one nine hundred forty one twenty. Yeah, you can text us a little Christmas gift. If you miss us, you can hang out with us on social, and it's going to be great. We're now going to go. Uh, the the group of us we're going to head off to our annual debrief team Christmas uh, surprise fest at Cinnabon. So let's go. Mm. We'll jump right in your car, Pastor Matt. We'll get some tasty treats. Okay, because to all literally, the there's like bun. six things in that that kill me: egg, gluten, mm-hmm. sugar. Yeah, over yeah. over to it's sugar. one of you guys. Every year we do this, and Pastor Matt just watches us enjoy these beautiful Christmas treats. The, this is I a do lie. Like it's a piece smell. of humility and self. I do like the smell. It's, of a good it's good leadership. Yeah, yeah, it's good leadership. Don't you feel like you're standing outside of the crack house though when you're like oh, waiting in sure. line? They've drawn you in. Yeah. They've offered you little samples. Yeah. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Bye, you guys.